Today I've done the following things as part of my job. I've made small talk with random strangers, I've hung out in a hotel room with my coworkers, and I've waited in long lines for the bathroom. I'm at the strange work ritual known as the conference. This is Game Plan. Hi, I'm Rebecca Greenfield. And I'm Francesca Levy. And this week we're talking about conferences and all the strange and fun things that go along with attending them and if they're worth going to at all. And we're bringing you this episode from an actual conference. We're at WNYC's Work It Festival, which is a festival for women in podcasting. And we're going to tell you kind of how we got here and what we think of it. But first, we should back up and talk about conferences in general. Yeah, so conferences are this huge $14 billion industry, and people can pay anywhere from a couple hundred dollars to a couple of thousands of dollars to attend them. Like, I think TED Talks cost thousands of dollars for people to go to and kind of spawned this whole world of people talking on stages for work. (laughs) I think there's something about going to a conference where if you work in a company, it's like it's it's almost a status symbol. If you get to go to the conference, if your boss has signed off on like the travel and expenses for you to get on a plane and go somewhere and stay in a hotel, it means you're important enough to invest that kind of money in. So I think that some people want to go to conferences just to be able to say they went to a conference. It's like it makes you important as part of your job. Yeah, and you fantasize about being in maybe an exotic location and all the networking you're going to do and how it's going to transform your career and you get a break from the doldrums of the work life and like getting out of the commute, which sounds really nice. But I think as anyone who has gone to a conference knows, the reality is not that glamorous. I think you hit the nail on the head. Networking is a big part of conferences. And there's a there's a nice side to that, which is like I get to meet new people in my field and maybe advance my career or learn more. But it's also like who really likes networking? I've spent time at conferences and like hid behind columns and gone to the snack bar just to avoid those weird mingling sessions where you have to walk up to strangers and it's it's so unnatural. Yeah, and even bosses know at this point that conferences are maybe not worth all the time and effort and money. There was a Wall Street Journal article that was a trend piece about people basically begging their bosses to go to conferences and their bosses saying, you need to show us that how much value you're going to get out of this. And it talked about people putting together PowerPoint presentations and showing specifically how they're going to meet specific goals that will help them bring in more sales or like increase marketing. You can't really just use this mushy, oh, I'm going to meet people and yeah, that'll help the job reasoning anymore. Yeah, I mean, we're here recording a podcast like we're <laughs> we're trying to do our jobs while we're at the conference. And I think that Part of our justification for being here is that we can actually do some work here. But, you know, a lot of people are here just to experience the conference. And I think that our, you know, many of their bosses probably wonder, like, whether they're really doing anything or if it's just a boondoggle. Yeah. And there was another a Business Week article that was about the female conference circuit, which we're participating in at the moment. And the reporter talked about how you can feel really great after you go to these conferences, like you feel empowered and full of ideas. But then often you get back to your desk and it's like you don't have anything actionable to show for it. And I think bosses hate that. But also, yeah, after you're like, well, why did I just spend all the time doing all that horrible networking if I can't really get anything out of it? 
Some people maybe are naturally really good at sending follow-up emails and arranging meetings that stem from weird, awkward conversations you have in the bathroom line with people, but I know I'm not. And I kind of wonder, too, how much, how you can get the most out of conferences and also like enjoy them while you're in the moment. Yeah, speaking of enjoying conferences in the moment, um, what got us thinking about conferences as part of your work life was that we saw this conference that so perfectly was appealing to us. Um, This WNYC conference, it was for female podcasters, and that's something that we do as part of our jobs, but also like would love to learn more about. So, you know, I've been invited to lots of different conferences that are more tangential, but this was just so perfect that it was so appealing. And yet in the back of my mind, I do have kind of all these cons that we've been talking about. What are some other things that you're skeptical about? Like, what are you, what is the big like pitfall of conferences for you sometimes? I think I hate panels. (laughs) I've been to South by Southwest and people love it. They rave about it. And I got there and I was just overwhelmed and was asking myself, wait, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to go to panels and then what? I think there are some industries, um, like I hear my dad, who's a doctor, talk about going to conferences and he's like, oh, I learned so much. And I think the panels are these specific things that he needs to learn to get better at his job. But I don't find that the panels in our industry are that grounded in anything. They feel like a lot more vague and you just kind of I don't know the better word. Yes. They feel like BS. So I was very skeptical of just going to panels all the time and that being somehow helpful for my job. Yeah, your dad's a doctor. Like, we're not going to hear somebody present a groundbreaking research paper for the first time on, like, a new piece of medical technology. If we're lucky, we might learn a little bit more about how to record a podcast well. Um, or how to meet people in the industry or how to sell your podcasts or talk to advertisers. But also you might not. There's a lot that's in the hands of the organizers. And these things turn on how charismatic the panelists are, how much time they schedule for breaks in between, like how fatigued the audience is, like just the vibe of the room. And I mean, for me, one of the ways that I'm trying to get through this conference is just lowering my expectations so much that my threshold is basically if I can get one useful insight out of every day of this conference, I'll consider it a roaring success. Yeah. So our expectations were pretty low for this conference, I'd say, but we were wondering how other people felt. And so we talked to a few attendees about their feelings and expectations for the conference. a little bit of a different perspective um, so I'm so much on the business side I really wanted to see what the creative side uh, was like just in terms of a process I know that so much goes into it but I don't really get to see that side I'm a podcast enthusiast I'm like such a podcast nerd so a lot of this is just like me being curious personally but it's also really interesting professionally to see the other side of it to get courage to know that I can start a new podcast I was hoping to learn some skills about like the te- the technical skills of podcasting and independent podcasting. Um, I've worked a little bit in it um, as a part of bigger companies, so I was really hoping to learn how to do it myself and um, to fill in any gaps in my knowledge that I've had so far. 
I'm really here serving two masters because I want to grow my own show and have it be the best that it can be. And then at the same time, because I do produce other people's podcasts, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can do to make their shows the best that they can be. So definitely I was interested in meeting people. Um, and then I also feel like having a lot of teachers is a really valuable thing in life. And so learning from all the different presenters and how they're talking about sort of the same things but also have really different approaches is also something that's super interesting to me. Everyone we talked to did have kind of realistic expectations. They did have a specific goal or some kind of goal that they were hoping to reach through this event. And that does seem like a good way to go into conferences and something that you and I talked about going into this conference. We did sit down and say we have one goal, which for us was not to learn how to make a podcast, which is why a lot of people are here, but to increase our visibility of our show. There are a lot of people here who work at great places doing great things, and we want them to know about us. And I think that just to give a little bit of a plug for conferences, because we've been kind of down on them, there is something sort of indescribable just about being in the same place as other people. Like for us to reach that goal of becoming more visible and meeting more people in our industry, it's hard to know exactly who the right people to talk to are. But there's something about getting a bunch of people from the same field in the same place, in the same city, where you have conversations and it might not be with exactly the people you expected to talk to or about the thing you expected to talk to them about, but something unexpected comes out of it. And that is both what's good about conferences and what can also feel like a weird boondoggle because you can't exactly explain that to your boss. I'm going to this conference and some magic might happen when I talk to somebody. All right. I hate to break up the magic that's happening over there, but there's a panel starting in a few minutes. So let's check back in later. So I'm tired. Conferences are really exhausting. We went to eight hours of panels for days. And even though we work that much and more in a day, it's just there's a lot of mental energy happening. And in between panels, there were no, we, we tried to network and there were events. And I think that it's just, yeah, it's really exhausting. Some of it's probably down to the jet lag. We did fly to L.A., but I, I agree there's something about sitting and listening and using your brain and processing ideas that makes you tired and also hungry. I was weirdly ravenous this whole time. Okay, well, we had a goal, and it was to increase our visibility. And first of all, I think that helped me handle the panels, even just having that goal. It was like, if I'm not getting everything out of this panel, it doesn't matter because that's not even my goal. I think it was useful. I think coming to the conference was really useful for us to let people know that we have a show. Every person we talked to was like, oh, you're from Bloomberg, and you guys do a podcast. Cool. What is it? We, I said the name like 1,200 times. I was like, it's game plan. It's game plan. Um, so I think that just that was worth it. But again, we wanted to see how other people at the conference felt about their experiences. So we talked to a few people. Conferences are weird. It's it's like you go and it's it's great because you want to get some information and there's usually really interesting people um, presenting things and it's a great place to get inspired. But it's also like you're just with a bunch of strangers and um, 
like in rooms sitting next to strangers all day and especially if you're not really good at talking to strangers it, it's just it, it's strange it can be strange I think this one is a lot more fun than a lot of conferences I've been to it um, I think sometimes they can be a little bit stuffier formal or kind of have a sense of being sort of drudgerous. I mean, there's also like this weird feeling of like people eyeing each other up too, of like, are you actually interested in me? Or are you just, you know, are you just social ranking each other? I'm hungry. There's not food here and I thought there might be. It's incredible and kind of reassuring to me that there's there's so much agreement among everybody we talk to and among you and me that networking just kind of sucks. And even if you're an extrovert, it's awkward and it's transactional and weird and like you're going up to people you don't know and they know that you're talking to them because you want to get something from them but there's two sides to the transaction so we can help other people that felt nice and it made it easier to talk to people I think like I'm not a natural networker are you I mean I don't hate it as much as I think the average person but it does it's it gets it's again really exhausting to be on the entire time and now that we've been here for three days, we can consider ourselves complete conference experts. I think we're pros at doing the conference circuit, and we're ready to bring you our top five conference survival strategies. Number one, pick your conference. So this conference really uniquely appealed to us, and I think it being such an interesting topic for us made it worth it. I've been to other conferences that were too tangential, so I think it's really important to pick a conference that is going to be as interesting to you and your job as possible. On the flip side of that, even at a conference where it is the ideal conference for you, there's no way that everything is going to appeal to you. And there will be some panels that are for people who want to start indie podcasts, for example, at this conference. Um, And then there will be panels that are really specifically for you. So pick your conference, but keep your expectations realistic. Number two, tame the flow of information. There's going to be so much thrown at you, and you can sort of feel obligated to record and remember everything everyone says. Don't do it. I saw a lot of people filling up notebooks with notes, and more power to them if that's useful to them, but I know if I did that, I'd go home with a notebook that I'd never look at again. What I tried to do was write down literally one or two sentences from every panel that I found useful, And I made those sentences action items. So like somebody mentioned something about how they surveyed their podcast audience. I made a note, meet with the marketing team to talk about surveying our podcast audience. That kind of thing is actually a thing you can go back to your desk and do. It distills a panel down to what's really useful to you. And you can just filter out everything else. Number three, walk out of bad panels. You don't have to sit there. I think that the stage can have this power over you. You're looking up at people who are really well lit. They're talking into microphones and it might feel rude to leave, but you are there to learn stuff. And if a panel doesn't appeal to you, walk out, leave early, and definitely don't stay for the Q&A really ever. Yeah. And when you walk out, you actually might get a lot more out of talking to somebody who also has walked out of the panel and is just standing in line for the bathroom or waiting to get a refreshment. Number four, keep your networking targeted. It can be really intimidating if you expect yourself to meet every podcast idol or high-profile media professional at a conference. So pick one or two people that you really want to meet and 
try to have a conversation with them and have a specific goal for that conversation. So for example, we had Anna Sale, host of Death, Sex, and Money on our podcast months ago, but we talked to her remotely and we never met her in person. So I just wanted to meet Anna Sale and put a face to the name. We did that, we met our goal, it felt achievable, and it was much easier, I think, than walking into a room full of people and being like, I have to make an impression on all these people. And finally, number five, pack a portable charger. We did not do this. I had to sit in the bathroom for 15 minutes and charge my phone, which meant I was missing important things at the conference, but also was just an unpleasant experience. So yeah, do that. Do you know what the technical explanation is for why conferences suck so much power out of your devices? Because there is one and I can't really understand it, but our charger strategy was bad. I don't know, something about networks, crowded, Wi-Fi, doesn't matter. We're not a tech podcast. No, we're conference experts, not Wi-Fi experts. And now it's time for Half Big Takes. Half Big Takes. You can call into our hotline with your own Half Big Take at 212-617-0166. Francesca, what's your Half Big Take? I have one that's inspired by this conference. It's about hotel rooms. Um, I don't know why, but when I get into a hotel room, I kind of trash it. Like, not rock star style. I don't go in and start ripping up the comforter and setting garbage cans on fire. But I'm just way messier in hotel rooms than I would ever be in my own life. I guess that's because somebody's getting paid to clean it up. But there's just a certain amount of, like, clothes on the floor and towels everywhere that feels fine in a hotel room and wouldn't feel fine at home. Yes, we are sitting in my hotel room at this very moment, and it's pretty disgusting. So I guess I agree with our half-baked take, and I didn't even know it. Becca, what's your half-big take? Not conference-themed, staircase-themed. I was, I, okay, so my half-big take is kind of twofold. And one, I think it's okay to walk down the left side of the stairs. If nobody's coming and you want to expedite the process, I think, like, I know the convention is walk on the right, so both people can walk on the right going up and down. If you're on the left, the people coming in the other direction can't walk your way. But if there's no one coming, like, you run down those stairs. But the caveat is, if somebody comes up the other side, you need to move out of the way immediately, as fast as possible. And I know that not everyone does this because the other day I was walking up the stairs on the right side and some man on the left side came barreling down at me and scowled at me when I was doing my duty to walk up the right side. And I was like, dude, I get it. Walk down the left side, but you can't be mad at me. Walk down the left side or up the left side for that matter, but be prepared to duck back into line. And... You are taking a risk that you'll get some side eye from the people who like dutifully waited in their slow walk up the right side while you sprinted up the left and then you're trying to like cut in. But I feel like it's a calculated risk and it's worth it because you're absolutely right. Like YOLO, you know what I mean? Are you going to stand on the stairs forever like a dummy while the left side is totally clear because no one's coming that way? There's one subway station in New York. I'm not going to name it, but you know what you are, people in that subway station, where everybody does this. They just... The left side is totally clear, and people wait forever and ever in this endless line. Come on, let's be efficient. Let's use our time well. I'm with you, Becca. You heard it, staircase sheep. YOLO. And this has been Half Big Takes. Half Big Takes. Thank you for listening to another episode of Game Plan. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at RZ Greenfield. And I'm at Francesca today. You can tweet at us. You can call us and leave us a voicemail with a half-baked take or anything else you want to say about the show. It's 212-617-0166. If you want to hear from us even more, 
sign up for our newsletter. You can find it at bloomberg.com slash newsletters and you click the game plan box and then it'll appear in your inbox. If you like our show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and just take a second to rate us, review us. All that stuff really helps increase our visibility, which we'd love you to help us with. This show is produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen, and the head of podcast is Francesca Levy. We'll see you next week. Bye. I know you're not recording. <laughs> the red light's not blinking, <gasps> dun, dun, is it? Dun, dun. Oh.